Good morning and welcome to another edition of Mastermind Minutes. My name is Gary Grosso. I am the managing partner and founder of Franchise Growth Solutions and the publisher of FranchiseMoneyMaker.com. For those of you who are new to the program, Mastermind Minutes is a very simple concept. We have one guest. We ask one question. We get one expert answer. We do it in minutes, not hours. And as we say, we realize that may not be enough to cover the topic. So at the end of the program, we'll give you contact information for our guest and you you can reach out to him directly and uh, follow up on the conversation if you have additional questions. And today, my guest is my good friend, Evan Goldman. Uh, Evan is partner and co-chair of the Franchise Law Practice Group at Greenspoon Martyr LLP. And as a New York, Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C., and New Jersey franchise law attorney, he concentrates his practice on franchises, working closely with both franchisor and franchisee clients to uh, draft, negotiate, and register everything from disclosure documents to franchise agreements and other related key documentation that goes along with, uh, with franchising. He has extensive experience advising clients in the hospitality industry, uh, including hotels, bars, nightclubs, restaurants. Uh, if it has to do with hospitality, he is focused on that. Prior to joining uh, Greenspoon Martyr, uh, Evan served as the New Jersey franchise law attorney in preeminent law firms in New York and New Jersey counseling numerous clients such as uh, restaurants and retail chains and franchise systems. So Evan, um, I'm glad we both made it back from IFA. Okay, last week. Uh, it's good to see you. Thank you for being with us today. Hey, thanks, Gary. Best part about IFA was I didn't lose any money gambling. So that's <laughs> I didn't so I didn't do it. I my you know, I, I I don't do it. I watched. I watched people lose money, but fortunately, uh not me. Uh always a little concerned when it's the franchise or representative at the craps table at 3 a.m. is like, am I bread and yeah. just going down the drain right there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess I guess you could say that. Um yeah. You know, before we get into our question, just tell us a little bit more about what you've been doing these days. Tell us a little bit more about Greenspoon Martyr and sort of their discipline and expertise in the franchise business and and what you're heading up for them. Sure. So I joined Greenspoon Martyr about a year ago, um, came on as co-chair at the beginning of this year of the franchise practice group. Um, and the reason uh, my co-chair and I joined and my whole team was they're a full service national law firm. So 20 or so offices, and I believe 15 states, uh, based originally in Florida, but now basically everywhere we need to be. And they have a host of services that no other firm I've ever been at had. Um, everything from you know, local litigation support, tax advice, corporate, real estate, anything and everything you can imagine um, on a business and and uh, a business spectrum, we are able to handle, and that's really what uh, brought me there. And our team has utilized all of the facets of the the firm at, at large um, to do that. That's great. That's great. And and for franchisors, um, you know, that's an important factor because it becomes sort of a one stop shop, uh, if if you will, rather than having multiple law firms doing doing multiple things. Just um, in the last couple of weeks, I've had to file two litigations on behalf of franchisors, one in Arizona, one in Florida. You know, a year and a half ago, I would have had to farm that out to another law firm who would have been local counsel, double billing. It's a real pain in the butt. Um, here, we have teams in Arizona and Florida, and 
we took the lead and, and got the results we needed for our clients. Yeah, and that's that's definitely important uh, on the franchisor side, uh, without without a doubt. The fact that you can operate, uh, you know, in in various states. So the question today is kind of interesting. Uh, I think I told you before we actually started the program. Uh, back in October at the Franchise Leadership and Development Conference, I was having dinner with a couple of folks, and one of whom is an attorney, noted attorney in the franchise industry. Uh, and the subject came up of this questionnaire, I'll call it, that's in a franchise agreement, whereby when a franchisee signs the franchise agreement, there are a list of questions, and I don't remember them all. There's a lot of them, but the ones that come to mind are, hey, you know, you're going to check the box that you had your attorney review the document. You're going to check the box that no one made an earnings claim. You're checking the box that you had the FDD for 14 days. And there's all sorts of these check the box, um, which as a franchisor, the way we see it is, okay, if the franchisee comes back to us whenever uh, and their attorney says, well, my franchise, my client wasn't properly disclosed or somebody, you know, I didn't, he, he wasn't an under advisement of counsel or whatever they're going to say, the franchisor feels, hey, wait a minute now, I can kind of pull out this piece of paper and say, look, your client checked the boxes. My understanding is that's either going to be changed, modified, or go away in addition to some other things. Don't really know a lot about it. I'm not an attorney. So the question for you is, what am I talking about? What is that that we're talking about, this questionnaire? How does it impact franchisors? And sort of what's the sum total of it? Because I may be talking just about a little piece. Sure. And, and that's a great question. And it's going to have a, a monumental effect on franchising. Um, I'll answer the question, but let me go back and say I have a somewhat of a unique um, experience with respect to these because for the first three years of my career, I only represented franchisees and only in litigation, right? So the amount of times these disclaimers and acknowledgements were used against my clients, I couldn't count on all my fingers and toes, that's for sure. Um, and I had some, you know, pessimistic feelings about them. Fast forward a decade, and now I represent almost exclusively franchisors in litigation, um, represent over 100 brands nationwide. And I have a very different feeling because now I see the reason to use them from a legitimate business purpose as opposed to litigation defense. I think at the beginning of my career, some of the franchisors I went up against were just bad franchisors. Um, one in particular was tremendously bad for the industry and and it's certainly it's franchisees and they use this as a sword and a shield and I think that's wrong so to answer your question um NASA which is the North American Security Administrators Association um essentially puts out statements of policy regarding various matters here they put out in in September the statement of policy regarding the use of franchise questionnaires and acknowledgements um and what it says is those questionnaires, so in most of our FDDs, we have a 15 question questionnaire. Um, those questionnaires essentially cannot be used anymore. And the section of the franchise agreement marked representations or acknowledgements can no longer be used anymore. Um, sort of, <laughs> and the, here's the reason it sort of is. Uh, NASA is not a government agency. It doesn't have any authority over um, any government body. And it just puts out statement of policies. Many states, or not many, a third of the states will adopt um, the statement of policy as its own. So California, I believe, has already done it. 
Um, a few other states have already done it, and another probably half dozen are in the process of adopting this policy. So in some states, this will be the rule of law. In many states, like my home state of New Jersey, it really won't have any impact because New Jersey doesn't have a registration or disclosure law, and it's not going to adopt NASA on the, the buy side of franchising or the sell side of franchising. So it's not going to have a huge impact in that regard. Um, but in those states where it does, it will. And what we're seeing with our clients, at least, is the national ones. They're going to have two sets of FDDs going forward, right? They're going to have the NASA oh, state. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's creating a problem by fixing a problem that probably didn't really exist. Um, and so, you know, just we're in the process of renewal season, as you know, and we have a number of clients who have said, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. Um, now, if they're based in California, they're probably going to do it. But um, we have a client based in Florida. They've sold 300 and some odd units over the last couple of years. And they're like, no, we're not going to be tied down by NASA in every state if we're not going to be in every state. So they're going to have two FDDs, one for everywhere but NASA, and then one for NASA. Um, from your perspective, as sort of generally speaking, the first point of contact for a, a, a prospective franchisee with a brand, I imagine that is um, not great for you because now it's creating a burden on you and your team and just making it way more difficult to process a transaction. Um, particularly because you guys weren't going to do any of the things this is theoretically uh, intended to avoid anyway. Mm -hmm. I, I, let me say this as well about the problem it's fixing that I don't really think a pro is a problem is it, it's funny because as a former exclusively franchisee lawyer, I've, I've represented so many people in litigations and franchisee litigations are really, really difficult. One in particular NASA relies on in their statement of policy, which is sort of the catalyst seemingly for, for this, this statement of policy. And unfortunately, the case was just decided wrongly, right? It's the only case in New York to ever have been decided this way um, because the judge didn't follow you know, precedent uh, before or after. And um, you know, that case is, makes repeated efforts or, or repeated sightings in the statement of policy as to uh, why it was needed, which again, I don't think it necessarily was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, well, now I th sorry, Garrett, let me say this. I think what it'll do though is it, it'll separate the good from the bad, right? There are franchisors that yes, they got these because they did use them as a learning tool, not as a, as a, a shield. Um, and I think that'll be really good. What it's gonna do is it's gonna take those X percent of bad franchisors that are violating every rule and reg and put them aside and say, okay, now you're being called out, mm -hmm. right? And it's gonna and it's gonna take away the shield that they probably weren't deserving of having in the first place. Yeah, yep. And and I'll tell you, I am, I am in the minority, I think. I, I wish I wasn't, but I think I am. And there's a few other folks like me that we're in the minority where when we see these regulations come down that really are designed, again, I know it, it may be fixing a problem that doesn't exist, but the intent is to protect the potential franchisee. Okay, I'm all for that. Um, you know, in my world, 
uh, as you know, on the sales side, if you will, do I think it slows the deal down and time kills deals and blah? Of course I do. That's sort of the, that's the salesman in me, but the franchisor in me, I'm a former franchisor and franchisee knows that the long-term relationship between the Z and the Zor is what really matters. And, and if we can sort of, you know, sort of smoke out the folks in our business that are doing things the wrong way. Um, I'm all for that. And I'll, and I'll tell you why, because when, when stuff comes down, like when the stuff hits the fan, like, you know, recently, a couple of years ago, the burger franchise that like blew everybody up, what that does is it gives the industry sort of a, a, a black eye. It gives, it gives my sales team sort of now everybody is suspect. So ultimately, ultimately things like this, the, the tighter regulation, so to speak, things like this long-term actually help because it sort of weeds out the, the bad guys in the business. So I'm, again, I'm, I'm for it. The idea that it may create some you know, an extra administrative step, you know, who gets this FDD and who gets that FDD. Quite honestly, we already have that with some of our clients. So we sort of manage that, that anyway. We don't take sending out an FDD lightly. I mean, when we send out an FDD, we're doing it on DocuSign and we've got <laughs> dashboards that kind of control that stuff. That's why I think we're as good an FSO as, as, as anybody out there, because it's not just about selling, it's about managing the process. Um, so thank you for clearing that up. My I have another question on that, and that is, you said it starts now in some states. So, so when franchisors are renewing, we're in renewal time now, um, are they going to be required now to remove that from the states where they want to register where this becomes adopted? So technically, it, um, it was effective on January 1, which created oh. a little bit of an oddity in that, like you noted. Franchisors aren't going to update their FDD on January 1 and then do it again on April 15th. So right. the states where it was adopted or is being adopted have essentially said, don't worry about it. Just do it in your next annual renewal or your material. Right. Which is, um, you know, which is, which is now. I mean, we're, we're, next, we're in that now. It's days or so. Okay. Well, thank you for clearing that up. I'm sure that, you know, uh, and there are a lot of franchisors that, that listen to this podcast, either on Spotify or LinkedIn or um, wherever else it's it's broadcast in a bunch of places. So uh, let's just kind of move on. We were, you know, we were at IFA. I know we heard a lot of things there, good, bad, ugly, whatever. Uh, is there any other issues that you've seen maybe popping up? I know the CEO of McDonald's had a lot of things to talk about as it relates to California, but you know, you walk around sort of the, the convention center there and you pick up little tidbits of information Anything, uh, anything that you picked up that you think is happening in the industry that uh, you want to share with the audience? So I think the, the clampdown on regulation in terms of employment is certainly going to be um, interesting. I know um, the CEO of McDonald's spoke about it. I think some of the other folks at the, at the IFA spoke about it. Um, I think it's really going to, so there's, 4,000 or so franchisors out there right now, which is a, an absurdly high number, but that's the reality. 
I think those laws are really, when they come down to it, going to affect a very, very small percentage, like less than 1% of franchisors. Yeah. The McDonald's, the Burger Kings, the Subways, things like that. Um, I don't I don't think that's going to have as broad of an impact as um, the, the CEO suggested, but for him, it's going to have an enormous impact. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I think it's important that franchisors are franchisors and franchisees are franchisees and they're not employees. Um, you know, some franchisors make the mistake of crossing a line and becoming the employer, but those are very individualized issues. Yeah. And they rarely happen. I think the idea of making all franchisees essentially employees is a terrible one. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be as impactful as, as the IFA may have suggested it would be. Uh, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. My first, my, my reaction, okay, and I use the word reaction as opposed to response. When, when, I, when this first started bubbling up years ago with McDonald's, with the joint employer thing, you sure. know, my, my reaction to it was, this is, this is a money grab. This is a money grab by some authority or some organization or someone, you know, under the guise that they're protecting people. And look, if 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 uh, an employer, the franchisee mistreats their employee, doesn't pay them over time, you know, doesn't whatever there are there are enough law, in my opinion, what I know, there are enough laws on the books to protect that employee to go after that employer who is the franchisee to somehow connect the franchisor to me simply means that don't take this the wrong way you're an attorney is that the attorney on the case realizes let's use mcdonald's in this example that mcdonald's corp has way more money than the individual franchisee and let's go chase the money and then let's go get a let's go get a uh more employees on the on board here and you know right. let's have a class action suit and then let's turn this into a union issue and on and on and on i agree i don't think it it pertains to most franchisors um but uh, but just in general i think the whole thing is is a money grab now I'll, i want to tell you what how it impacted my company when back when it first started at that time i was a franchisor and right. when when it when this whole thing came up and I'm going to, you know, metaphorically, we basically took our operations manual and we ripped all the pages out that had anything to do with HR and everything else. And again, here's an issue designed to help the franchise, maybe the franchise community or the employee in this case. Now it put the franchisee sort of behind the eight ball, because when our franchisees would come to us and say, hey, can you give us some guidance on how do we hire people? Is there like, do you have an employee handbook? Nope. Go to the website, go to the website in your state and find out all about it. So yeah. now it created this void of information. Um, so Which also creates bigger problems in the long term, because you know, if you're a franchisor of a certain burger joint or whatever, and you want all your franchisees employees to have the same mindset and the same skill set and the same everything, but now you're sort of like I was, you know, hot potato. I don't want to touch that. Um, and then you get disparate levels of employees at different locations, then those have diff different impacts and different sales. And then it's just creating more and more problems all the way down. Yeah. Um, the, the other, the other piece to it that, 
um, I found a little squirrely, and I use that word just because it's my my point of view. I don't know what legal, you know, definition that word has, but there seemed to be some crossover as to what are, let's call them operational or brand requirements versus how you schedule your employee or pay your employee in overtime. And what I mean by that is if, if, if the franchisor requires that the franchisee ensure that their employees wear a particular uniform or have a particular dress code, that to me is not the Zor being an, a co-employer. And, and that was like gray. That was a gray area. Like, oh, well, because you say what uniform they have. No, that's very different than if the franchisor said you must pay X, you know, your managers need to work 60 hours a week and put them on a salary so you don't have to pay overtime. I never heard any franchisor saying anything like that, but that's kind of the implication. Even, you know, the implication that I, I felt or my impression was that it was trying to avoid the franchisor saying Steve can't work on Saturdays at that location, which listen, I represent over a hundred franchisors. None of them are doing that. And yeah. I represent hundreds and hundreds of franchisees. None of them are hearing that. Um, again, another problem that probably didn't need a solution or certainly not this solution. Um, but I, listen, I, I think regulation is generally good. I think it's protective of the people it's supposed to protect. Um, but in these two examples, as luck would have it, I think they probably sidestepped the real issue in favor of an unnecessary burden on people who don't deserve it. Yep. yep. Okay. I have one one other thing, and then I'll, I'll let you go. And I don't want this to run too long. Otherwise, sure. it won't be mastermind minutes. It'll be mastermind hours. So, and this is this is something that I read about recently. I don't know a lot about where it is. I mean, I understand the concept. Uh, you may be aware of it, not aware of it, whatever. Um, I read recently that there's some um, talk of regulation regarding what uh, the term I use is poaching, uh, where one, if a franchisee's employee leaves, there's some rule or regulation or something that the, the, the franchisee down the road of the same brand can't hire that person if they're within a certain number of miles, which sort of impedes the individual's ability to gainfully seek employment if they decide, hey, I'm leaving XYZ franchise because I don't like this owner, but down the street or in the next town over, there's an XYZ franchise and I have a lot to offer. I'm going to go there and work. But the franchisee in that town says, hey, I can't hire you because. Tell us a little bit about that because maybe I'm describing it incorrectly. So um, those anti-solicitation, anti-poaching statutes have been, you know, under the gun from state regulators for a while. I think, um, if I remember correctly, I think it was Jimmy John's was the first to get nailed pretty hard on it. And they settled the case with, I want to say Washington state, I could be wrong, um, where, uh, you know, they were getting the drivers to basically be barred from working for a different franchisee, which is crazy. They're delivery drivers, right? Who, who cares? Um, so th- they've been under the gun for a while. I know a lot of franchisors, including many I represent, have sort of stepped back from using those. And I believe what you're referring to is um, in, in the, the 
NLR, or I'm sorry, the Department of Labor's latest guidance on non-competes, I believe they're going to bar those uh, from most contractual relationships. Yeah. I know there, I, I did look at it um, briefly when it when they came out. I know that it won't apply necessarily, the non-compete generally will not apply to franchise relationships, but I think the non-solicitation, non-poach, non-whatever uh, will. Yeah. Well, thank, you know, again, we'll see how this unfolds. Um, I can tell you, obviously, I'm a huge advocate of the franchising industry and I'm I'm on the franchisor uh, side of the table, so to speak. But, um, you know, professionally, personally, you know, there's no need for that. If somebody leaves your employment for whatever reason, they should be able to go and work wherever they want to work. Right. Um, and that to me is just wrong. So here, that's a piece of, of um, you know, that's a piece of regulation that I would certainly be on board with. I, I think that that's just crazy. So any last thoughts you want to leave us with? Um, and then we'll ask you to tell us how people can reach you if they want to get in touch. Sure. Um, so I think the franchise industry is an amazing tool for growth. Um, again, with my somewhat unique background of, of franchisee to franchisor focused, um, I just think it's an amazing tool for people who have a great concept to grow that concept with other people of like mind or of people who don't enjoy being, you know, a pawn of corporate America wanting to break out on their own, but don't necessarily know what they want to do or how to do it. Franchising is a great tool to get them there. Um, I love what I do. I know a lot of lawyers probably don't say that, but I really do love the, the world of franchising. I love helping franchisees and franchisors alike. Um, and to reach me, um, you can go to uh, gmlaw.com. Uh, I'm right on there. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, all of it. So please reach out, call me. My cell phone is on our website. Um, text me, whatever, you know, whatever mode of, of uh, discussion is easiest for you is, is fine for me. That's great. That's great. Uh, we've been speaking with Evan Goldman, who is with uh, Green Spoon Martyr um llp and um evan we will put all that contact information sort of in the bio of the uh, of the webcast and on the podcast i can't thank you enough for being here um i don't know if i'll see you at the next conference which is multi-unit uh franchise conference um if i do great uh otherwise i'm sure i'll run into you here in the new york new jersey area thank you very much for spending time with us thanks gary i appreciate it